Father God, what a joy, uh, what a joy uh, to celebrate your work in people's lives. What a joy to remember uh, your work uh, in our lives. Uh, Lord, uh, growing families are always such a, such a blessing. And it's, it's so exciting to, uh, to welcome Tim, uh, Steph, Shaley, Sophia, Ty. It's, it's, it's great uh, to see what you've done there and great to look ahead and what you continue to do in their lives and our lives. Lord, we pray for this time. Uh, we ask that your spirit would be speaking to us. We pray that uh, uh, these would be your words and not mine. Uh, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, this summer, we've been going through a series on questions. Uh, sometimes people have the idea or the perception uh, that when you're in a part of a church, you you can't have questions or you, you have to have it all figured out. Um, and we, we want to make sure that that's, that's not the impression we're giving. We want to make sure that you feel free, uh, that if there's something you read in scripture, if there's something you're struggling with, uh, that, that we can talk about that together. Uh, so we've been going through questions that people have uh, asked or questions people have emailed in, and, and we're going through and answering them, not as this is the answer and now the discussion is done, more as this is a way of continuing that conversation. You know, here are some thoughts on that. Let's, let's keep talking about this, keep wrestling with it, but together instead of by ourselves and, and telling ourselves that we can't ask questions or we can't wonder or we can't doubt or we can't struggle. Uh, so our question today, our question today is, the main question I struggle with is whether the phrase once saved, always saved has any merit. Now that's a phrase that gets uh, thrown around quite a bit in churches, especially in uh, like reformed Presbyterian uh, type churches. Uh, once saved, always saved has any merit. I've heard the statement that once you profess your faith, or some churches may call it being confirmed, that at that point you can't lose your salvation. My problem with that is, I know that back when I made profession of faith, senior year in high school, I don't really think I understood or was ready. It was just something you did. And I, I've done some things that definitely are not things I'm proud of. And I've committed some really bad sins since then. But according to the belief that one can't lose your salvation, that I'm fine and it doesn't really matter what I do. Uh, that could almost have been my question. You know, I, I, I think a lot of us have struggled with that at one time. You know, if, if you are saved, but you, you go out and you, you slip up and you, you mess up. How do, you, how do you put those two things together? And honestly, I didn't put this specifically on a reaffirmation and baptism Sunday. I had this planned out and then we scheduled that. So that's, that's a side issue. Um, this isn't about them. <laughs> uh, except that it's kind of about all of us, honestly. So it's, but but I, I get the question you know, a month ago and I read through it and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, we're going to start by just, uh, just laying out a few bedrock things that we have to understand to answer this question. Some, some basic stuff. If, if you want to talk more about these, these could be their own question. These could be their own things. I would love to talk more about these. I have more written about these, but I'm, I'm not going into all of that. Once saved, always saved. We need to talk first about salvation. Our understanding of salvation is that salvation is all about the work of God and not at all about what we do. Okay, so salvation is 
is what Jesus did on the cross. It's a gift that God gives to us freely, not because we earn it, not because you're good enough, not because you've done all of the right things, not because, you, not because you've been baptized or made profession of faith or whatever else you want to fill in the blank. You know, not because you've completed a class, not because of any of that. You know, you, you are only, only, only saved because God, for God's reason alone, has, has given that to you through the work of Christ. So that's, that's the bedrock understanding that we have to have of salvation. Salvation is a gift of God, grace of God, given to us. It's by faith that we're able to receive that. Okay, faith is, is, is how we can receive that salvation. But the Bible also teaches us that even that faith is a gift from God. So it's not like, well, okay, I just need to have faith. I just need to do that. That too, even the ability to receive the salvation, the ability to receive the grace is a gift from God. So it's completely about what he does and not about what we do. Okay, we have to have that kind of squared away at the beginning of this. That is the bedrock for our discussion. Profession of faith, you know, is part of the question in there. How does profession of faith tie into that? You know, because it, it's, I've heard this said too, you know, I've, I've thought that, I've, I've wondered about those things. That's not exactly what profession of faith is. Profession of faith, it, it's, it's not a sacrament. You know, we, we have two, baptism, communion, uh, so it's not that. It's, it's not what saves you. If that were the case, evangelism would just be going out and getting people to, uh, to say out loud, you know, I believe in Jesus as, as my Lord and Savior, and then just, just let them be. You know, as soon as they've said that, you can move on to the next person, and it doesn't really have to be something they meant or, or have any impact in their life. That would be enough to get into heaven if it were about profession of faith. It, it's not, you know, so that's not what we do. Um, profession of faith, though, is important as it's, it's a response to the work of God in our lives. You can't do anything to save yourself, but, but we respond to the work of God in our lives. You know, we respond by, by acknowledging what he's been doing there. You know, we, we saw some of that this morning. You know, that's, that's one of the, the beautiful things about reaffirmation of faith. That's one of the beautiful things about, you know, a, a, adult baptism is you get to see people respond or, or, or show what God's been doing in their life. That's, that's why we celebrate profession of faith. You know, that's, that's at its best what we hope it is. It's a response to God. It's, it's an effect of that. It's, it's what comes naturally from that. Uh, so those two things we kind of have to have squared away at the beginning. Then getting back to the question of what is once saved, always saved about? You know, where is it in the Bible? Uh, why is it something we talk about? Why is it something people have heard about? Uh, one of the biggest passages in Scripture that, uh, that I think ties in with this is from Romans 8. Uh, you can follow along on the overhead if you have your Bible with. Uh, you can read in there. We're going to start at verse 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, to be, to be made like Jesus, to, to be people who, who more and more look like Jesus, live like Jesus. That, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, 
He also called those he called. He also justified, made them right with God. Those he, he justified, he also glorified. You know, in all of those things, God is the one who's doing it. God is the one who predestines, calls, justifies, glorifies. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Are any of those things more powerful than God? Can any of those things undo the work of God in your life? Can any of those things pull you away from God when he wants to keep a grip on you? As it's written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You know, when that was written in the Psalms, when that was uh, recopied here in Romans, that was Christian experience. You know, trouble, persecution, hardship, hardship famine, nakedness, danger, sword. You know, they, they've seen that and they know that those things aren't more powerful than God. They know that those things can't separate them from God. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can, can take you away from him. Nothing can undo his work. So when we think, you know, when I look at my life and I think, okay, well, I made a profession of faith here, and later that week, I was messing up again already. You know, later that week, I've already been slipping up. Later that week, I've already, you know, kind of undone maybe everything that I was saying there. Is that enough? Is that enough to take me away from God? It's, it's Romans 8 and places like that in the Bible uh, that have helped to shape this idea of once saved, always saved. We are uh, a, a confessional denomination, a confessional church. Uh, that means we have you know, three different writings, uh, teachings that help us understand the rest of Scripture. They, they don't take its place. You know, we don't we don't teach from them instead of the Bible, but they help us understand the Bible because sometimes it can be confusing to get the big picture of this book. And, and so we, we have things that, that highlight and point out things to us, that explain it to us. Uh, one of those is the Heidelberg Catechism, which is all questions and answers, thinking about questions people actually ask. Uh, one of them is the Belgic Confession. One of them is the Canons of Dort. I hear Canons of Dort, and my mind thinks, you know, medieval warfare and Sioux Center. That's not it. Some of you, if you haven't grown up in the church, you, you think the same way I do. That's not it. It's not a real canon. It's, it's writing. It's not as exciting as the, the canon, but it's probably been just as forceful almost in history. You know, and it's not this Dort. It's Europe Dort, separate thing. Uh, so Northwestern people, this can be for you too. Um, <laughs> Canons of Dort has been boiled down into five points, uh, and, and they've cleverly arranged them into an acronym TULIP because Reformed churches somewhat historically have been Dutch and we like TULIPs and we like the Canons of Dort. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, 
Uh, P is perseverance of the saints. Those are just fancy words to say for saying once you're saved, you're always saved. Uh, when you look at point five and some of the things they've written, and I had to have it written down because I, I don't have these memorized. Uh, point five, article eight, uh, says this. So it's not by your own merit or strength, but by God's undeserved mercy uh, that we neither forfeit faith and grace totally nor remain in their downfalls to the end and are lost. You know, with respect to ourselves, this not only easily could happen, but also undoubtedly would happen. You know, if, if you were left to yourself, not just to be saved, but to keep your salvation, you could not do it, right? It, it's not like school where you go in the first day and the teacher says, everybody right now has an A. Everybody has 100%. You just have to keep it through the semester. It's not like that. You know, it, it's not like I, I snap my fingers and right now, everybody in here is perfect. Everyone has a clean slate. Come back in a month and see if you've been able to keep that clean slate. It's not like that. Anyone here think they could come back in a month and be okay? No? No. We can't come back in a month and, and feel like we've, we've gotten it all right for a month. I can't make it a week. I can't make it a day. My wife was joking this morning. She said about five minutes, maybe. <laughs> She's a generous person. Um, she is. It, it's not one of those things where, where you have to be good enough to keep your salvation because you can't. You know, because we can't. That, that's not how it works. They go on from there. Uh, but with respect to God, it can't possibly happen you know, that, that you lose that salvation. Since his plan cannot be changed, his promise cannot fail, the calling according to his purpose cannot be revoked, the merit of Christ, as well as his interceding and preserving, cannot be nullified, and the sealing of the Holy Spirit can neither be invalidated nor wiped out. Because your salvation is not about what you do to get it, and it's not about what you do to keep it. Your salvation is only the work of God. Because, because you, like me, can't do that on your own, right? I find a lot of hope in this. I, I find a lot of reassurance in this because otherwise, uh, otherwise I'd walk around on, on pins and needles all the time. Now, there were people in, in three or 400 AD uh, who when they, they heard about baptism being for the washing away of your sins, uh, they thought that that was it. You know, that it was the water of baptism, not the blood of Jesus that washed away your sins. So they would wait with baptism until right before they died. There were, there were people around those, those centuries that would get baptized on their deathbed and then hope that they could hold out until they died without, without slipping up. You know, because that was the way to get into heaven. You cannot cheat the system that way. That's not how it works. You know, there, there's no loophole that you can find to, to get one past God. Okay? That's, not, that's not what we believe. You know, we believe if God has been at work in your life, that God's already done that. God's already accomplished that, and it's not up to you to keep it. So going back to our question, uh, according to the belief that one can't lose your salvation, then I'm fine, and it really doesn't matter what I do. You know, two questions. Uh, then I'm fine, yes, in terms of, you know, am I still saved? Yes, you're fine. You know, be reassured about that. 
that you haven't messed up bad enough to take yourself out of the love of God. You know, that, that you couldn't mess up bad enough to take yourself away from the love of God. And it really doesn't matter what I do. That's a separate question. Because yes, it does matter what you do. Okay, not in terms of getting into heaven, not in terms of avoiding hell, but, but we have this, this minimalist idea of Christianity that, that we just want to do the least we possibly can to get into heaven. You know, what's, what's the least I can do to be saved? I, I don't think we see that anywhere in the Bible, right? That, that here's a minimum of what it looks like to be a Christian. You know, if, if you do that, then, then everything else is just up to you. Christianity isn't about what you have to do. It's about what, what you can do. You know, it's about what God has, has freed you to do, created you to do. Think about it this way. If, if you are someone who is saved, and, and you're, you're hearing this and you're asking the question that, that sometimes I've asked, that sometimes I think a lot of us have asked, well, then I can just go out and, and live the way that I want to, right? You know, then I, then I can go out and, and do whatever I feel like. No, it's not going to take away your salvation. But if, but if you hold it that lightly, if, if that's all your salvation means to you, if it doesn't really have any effect in your life, if it doesn't change the way you live, if, if, that's, how, if that's how little you think of your salvation, and there are, there are times that I've had those thoughts, that's a good time to stop and to ask myself some questions, you know, to ask just how important this salvation is for me, just to ask how, how real that is in my life if that's the way that I'm going to go around living. And it's okay to stop and ask yourself those questions, those, those questions that are kind of hard, that make you think. It's okay to stop and, and to ask that of yourself. Because, because if God has saved you and he's put his Holy Spirit inside you, you know, I, don't, I don't think we can comfortably go on living the way we did before. You know, I, I think when we slip up, that, that burns a little bit, right? That, that stings. We don't want to keep living that way. It's not about what we, what we have to do. It's, you know, hey, I, I'm free from this. I don't have to keep going back to this. Not because it's, it's going to sentence me to hell, but because I don't want that. Because, because God doesn't want that for me. You know, we talked about, we talked about the, the Heidelberg Catechism as one of our confessions. 400 years ago, someone asked almost the exact same question that got sent in. Uh, here's question and answer 86. We've been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone through Christ and not because we've earned it. You know, so it starts out kind of the same way we started out. Why then must we still do good? Now, the answer is, to be sure, Christ has redeemed us by his blood. Yes, it's, it's all about the blood of Christ. It's all about the sacrifice of Christ. It's not at all about your work. It's not about you being good enough to be saved. But we do good because Christ, by his spirit, is also renewing us to be like himself. Because, because when God's in your life, because when he's working in you, more and more, and it's not instantaneous, but more and more, that's who you are now. You know, all of a sudden, you, you are that person. You are that one who, who lives the way God created you to live. And it's a process, and it's a journey, and I believe me that I understand that. You know, it's not snap your fingers and everything's better. You're going to make all the right decisions all the time. They're not saying that. But why would you live the way God wants you to? Because that's, that's who he's making you. That's, that's who you're becoming. You know, that's, 
That's the way you, you want to live now. Uh, because Christ by his spirit is also renewing us to be like himself so that in all our living we may show that we're thankful to God for all he's done and so that he may be praised through us. You know, because even if we can't do anything to earn it, you know, we're still grateful for the gift. We still want to be that person God, God created us to be, the person he's calling us to be, because he's, still, because he's still God, and we, out of love for him, desire to live that way, as a way to give thanks to him, as a way to praise him, as a way to show just, just who he is and what he's done in our life. And we do good so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. And I, if you're asking the question, you know, am I, am I really saved? Is God really real? Is God really powerful? What, one of the best ways to find an answer to that is to look at your life, to look at other people's lives, and, and to see what he's been doing there. You know, peop, people who know me would say, it, there must be a God because there's no other way Jason would get up in front of people once a week and talk. Now, that, that's, not, <laughs> that's not who I am. You know, I, I was the kid who hid behind the parents. I was the one who kind of went out to the car right after church because you know, people make me nervous. You know, to me, it says God must really be doing something if, if I'm even able to do this, you know, let alone choosing to. Look in your life. You know, has, has God been doing something? Has he been showing you through the, the fruit of the Spirit? Has he been doing something in your life that you cannot explain any other way? Has there been a transformation there? Have you been able to love people that it's difficult to love? Have you, have you put aside your own self-interest and thought of someone else? Have, have you given up greed? Have you given up anger? Have you given up addiction? Have you given up all those things that you fall back into? Has God been at work transforming you? You know, that's, that's where we start to see the reality and the power of God in our lives, right? That's, that's how we know he's real. So that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits and so that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. Because it's not just, it's not just looking in your own life that you can see that. It's the people around you who know you who can see God at work in you, who can see that God has been transforming you and shaping you and molding you, who can see, who can see the reality and power of God in your own life. If one can't lose their salvation, then I'm fine. You know, yes, be assured that if God has called you, you know, that, that if God has saved you, if the Holy Spirit is working inside you, absolutely you are fine. Absolutely he continues to do that good work. And it doesn't really matter what I do. No, it, it still matters what you do. It matters what you do, not because, not because it has anything to do with your salvation, except that it shows the reality and power of God, except that that's who he's made you as he's saved you, because that's, that's what he's doing in your life. Let's join together and pray. God, we give thanks um, that where we're unable, uh, we're unable to save ourselves, and that's a hard thing for us to acknowledge. That's a hard thing for us to admit, uh, that we can't just do it ourselves. We give thanks to you uh, that you are a God 
who came down here, loved us, died for us, uh, was raised again by your power, uh, that you freely, uh, you freely call us, you freely save us. God, we pray uh, that you would, be, uh, you would be at work in our life, that you would reassure us of that salvation, that you would be transforming us, that more and more uh, the way we just naturally live reflects you. And Lord, we know those times when it, uh, when, it, when it happens that we fall down, those times that it happens, that, that sin continues to be in our lives. God, we pray against that. We pray for your healing. We pray for your work. We pray for uh, your spirit. God, we give thanks. Uh, we give thanks for who you are and, and who you are uh, shaping us to be. And we pray all this in Christ's name.